when you go too fancy, when you go overboard and it doesn't resonate with an audience, it kind of then makes you just sound like you're pompous. And, and whilst that's great for other trainers to learn from, that's, that's not your audience. So make it resonate with them and you'll actually get a better authority with them. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I am sharing a conversation with Allie Smith of Remarkable. Allie is a dog trainer who has relocated to Maryland from the UK. She's been able to use blogging and a smart search engine optimization strategy to maintain her business no matter where in the world she is. Allie explains that content marketing through blogging and social media is your way to get in front of your ideal audience. Many petpreneurs think that Instagram is the only way to do that. But did you know that according to consumers, information found through search engines is believed to be more trustworthy than info found on social media? That makes blogging and SEO essential for pet industry pros. In addition to content marketing strategy, Allie also talked to me about working with reactive dogs and how to draw the line between giving away free advice on her blog and charging for dog training. This is my favorite kind of conversation because it is equal parts business and dogs. Speaking of, if you would like to connect with more women who love to talk shop with their pets by their sides, Where Wag Repeat Society will be opening back up to new members in April. Get on the waitlist now at wherewagrepeat.com slash society. And when you join, you'll get access to all past lessons, including how to write better captions, creating a lead magnet to get pet parents on your email list blogging for SEO with guest expert Amy Lynn, and you'll be able to participate in April's website peer audits. It is going to be really fun. I can't wait. So get on the waitlist now at wherewagrepeat.com slash society. All right, now on to the interview with Allie. Allie Smith is a multi-award-winning trainer and the founder of Rebarkable. Her blog has been named the best pet blog for two years running, and she helps dog owners across the world to improve their lives with their dogs. Hi, Allie. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tori. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. You, you sound, by the way, just have the perfect podcasting <laughs> tone. <laughs> Sounds so so good. <laughs> well, I, I hope I hope so. Um, I, I you know I've got everyone loves a British accent. I find in America, so that sort of instantly ingratiates me with people. But um, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, we're instantly like she's so smart and just fancy. Oh, no, not necessarily. <laughs> don't 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 make that association because there's plenty of Brits who aren't. I I, I can promise you that. <laughs> Um, well, so why don't we just dive in and, and tell everyone a little bit about 
about what Rebarkable is um, and if there was kind of a dog or a story that inspired you to start working in the pet industry. Okay, so Rebarkable is um, essentially an online learning resource for dog parents and um, I do as much as I can for free. Um, which is done primarily in written content. And I've started introducing, um, or I will be starting to introduce, um, some video content and some um, audio content, which I'm sure you're aware of how to do. Um, <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so that's that's kind of my main goal, because um, I, I find that like a lot of the time we, we don't necessarily know where to start as dog parents. Um, and that does come from my starter journey with my boy Indy. Um, Indy is a German Shepherd cross. He is four years old. He'll be five this year. And, um, yeah, we've been through a, we've been through a ride. I will tell you that. Um, so I bought Indy off a backyard breeder who I didn't know at the time was a backyard breeder because I did that, that traditional thing of, Oh my God, I've got my first house. I'm now going to get my first dog because that's what dog lovers do. Um, and I think he just heard his name if you heard him whine in the, in, in the recording there. Um, so yeah, I did that. Um, found out essentially I, I made every effort to make sure I got everything right. Um, but his poor breeding went against me. And, um, at around a year old, um, he developed reactivity and I looked through all the trainers in the local area and between what I could actually afford and what was offered, I couldn't find anything that matched up um, because the cheap trainers used methodologies that I wasn't going to be on board with and the expensive trainers who were using all the stuff I could actually go forwards with um, were far out of my budget. So I found it was more efficient to train myself to train my dog. And that's how I ended up where I am now. Um, yeah, so he, and he was my first project, essentially. He was my first one that I, I put all of that, that knowledge into. Yeah, that's so, it's what a good story. No, you're <laughs> good. You. What a, and, um, and how, it, how's Indy doing today? He's, he is massively better. Um, we have like, there's odd little times that something will surprise either me or him and then it will go wrong. But like, Last week, last week ish, um, <laughs> we had a, a Labrador totally run loose out of their garage. They were on a lead, but owner wasn't on the other end of the lead and, um, came running straight up to his face. And he just looked there and went, Hmm, I don't like that. And he, he raised the lip as though to say, go away, which is fine. You know, yeah. he didn't go into his, his old routine of bark lunge get yeah. it before it gets me. So, you know, I, I, I deemed that as a massive success at the time. <laughs> yeah. And mm. so in your, in your dog training business with mm -hmm. your clients, do you focus on reactive dogs or do you kind of target a more broad audience? Um, I love working with reactive dogs. I think that's where my passion is. Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I've kind of got two because I love working with puppies because it gives you that opportunity to minimize and or avoid issues. Um, or I love working with them when they've actually got that barrier, I suppose, because it's, it's essentially just that they can't, they can't deal with the real world. They can't deal with the world that we live in. And 
once we can get them over that hurdle and show them the right way to deal with their problems, I mean, I often liken it to, um, you know, the bully in the playground when you were little who, who thinks with his fists or expresses his emotions with his fists or her fists, whoever's fists. Um, they're that kid. They're that kid. They just need to be given an appropriate way to say or communicate what, what they're feeling. So, yeah. 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 They just, they just don't know. Like I, when I first brought Bert home a couple of years ago and even still mm. to this day, I'm like, he just didn't know. Like he never, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he ever lived in someone's house. So <laughs> he just didn't know that you weren't supposed to open the cabinet and help yourself with snacks. <laughs> Just, oh, don't. I've got two coonhounds that. that are like that still. <laughs> um, they have their moments and you sort of look at them and go, okay, that's what we're doing, is it? That's that's today, is it? Okay, let's roll with it and let's see how far we get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so communicating to the dogs is is one thing and that's mm-hmm. that requires a lot of of skill and intuition and, and training as well. Um, but communicating with the actual pet parents yes. is more challenging, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Um, Can be. <laughs> yes. And so, so you do a lot of different kind of like content marketing, mm-hmm. I, I would consider, you know, through your blogging and your upcoming podcast and social media and all that kind of stuff. So yes. um, talk to us a little bit about your blogging strategy, because I think a lot of dog trainers do not blog at all, no. or they're like, what would I even blog about? Which, <laughs> I mean, there's a 5 million topics. Oh, don't. Isn't there just? <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and it's actually really important information for a dog trainer to share. Yes, you know? um, yeah. So co- content marketing to me is essentially your way of getting in front of your ideal audience via channels. And those channels can be social media or they can be search engines. And I know you're a massive fan of Pinterest as a search engine. And I'm a massive fan of Google. I love um, getting Google to to essentially rank me nice and highly so that people find information easily. Because um, I think it was the Eden One Trust barometer turned around and said that anything that does well on uh, search engines is actually more trustworthy than anything, or to an audience at least, mm-hmm. is more trustworthy than anything they'll see on social media. And it's like almost double the amount of trust, which in like history's lowest period of trust (laughs) ever is really important. And it's quite. um, That's interesting. I've never heard anyone talk about like we're living in the lowest time of trust. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but it's not surprising, is it? Like all of these things. And we like we know that social media will prioritize content similar to what we've liked before so it kind of reinforces an idea and if that idea is not necessarily the correct idea then we're right to have that skepticism we're right to sit there and go oh maybe I shouldn't trust everything that goes on social media that's that's totally correct whereas google and some other search engines, I mean, I know Google the best, so please don't, please forgive me for using Google as the word I'm going to use it. Well, it's kind of uh, the king. Yeah, it is. It is. And um, it's the one that everyone focuses on. So it's the one I focus on. Um, <laughs> but Google, Google kind of like has, I, I don't know how it does it, but it validates you depending on your expertise. So if you are 
a random person who has nothing to do with dog training and you're trying to give your opinion on dog training, you won't be ranked as highly as a professional trainer. So it's it's definitely an interesting um, concept because that way it kind of pushes out the rubbish. <laughs> you know, you kind of filter out the 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 opinions and the the I suppose um, sort of uh, oh, what's the word? Not um, conspiracy theory. Yeah, you, you push out the conspiracy theories and you bring in the facts, which is beneficial for anybody right so i think it makes sense why it's more trusted yeah and and so what are in your mind what are some ways that dog trainers can build that authority with google um so part of it is um media coverage it, media coverage is well valued by google and that sort of links into domain authority and link backs and things like that which all kind of give you a stance and a position of like authority. So not only will say media coverage get you authority with people generally, because when you can go, I've appeared in Bloomberg, I've appeared in Business Insider, I've appeared in this, that, and other, it it translates directly there, but indirectly on Google. So it's it's really handy to have stuff like that. Um, and this is going to sound backwards to any trainer. <laughs> But say it in a way that people can understand. Don't say it in trainer talk um, because there is this, this um, instinct and that you have to fight that goes, oh, I want to talk about all the science behind it. I want to talk about all the fancy language and, and use it all in that blog post. Don't because the regular person is just like, what do you mean that they like the, the kill bite part of the predatory motor pattern? And what does that actually mean for my dog? Um, and it's like, essentially they like to chew on a ball, um, is kind of what that means. Um, and that example is directly related to Indy. Um, but when you go too fancy, when you go overboard and it doesn't resonate with an audience, it kind of then makes you just sound like you're pompous. And, and whilst that's great for other trainers to learn from, that's, that's not your audience. So make it resonate with them and you'll actually get a better authority with them. So yeah. And breaking it down into short sentences yes. and just making it so easy. Like I've always kind of followed that you should write things for a third grade comprehension yes. <laughs> level because, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, like I think what like probably over 60% of people are on mobile devices now. Mm -hmm. So they're not necessarily really in the right mode to read this in-depth article. They want to just kind of get the bullet points of what you're talking yes. about. Yeah. Um, so headers are really important, making it, um, like you just said, readability so that they can scan read through things is, is, is big. I mean, these are fine points and I'm pretty sure if your, your content's really valuable and really resonates, it's less of a problem. Um, cause somebody who's interested in what you've got to say will read it regardless of whether it's well formatted or not. But if you want to get a mass audience and if you want to start pushing it out to more and getting a message to more people, then yeah, you've, you've got to make it as easy as possible for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so talk to us a little bit about, so you moved from the UK <laughs> to Maryland, right? Mm -hmm. 
And a lot of people, you know, you basically, you know, people would think you're starting from scratch as a dog trainer. How are you going to get customers, a whole, (laughs) not even like a new area, but a new country Oh, yeah, and a whole, a whole different can of worms. (laughs) So how, how has your blog, um, or has it um, impacted how you have grown your business or continue to run your business moving across the world? Um, so I did blog with my old dog training, dog walking company in the UK. Um, and that was kind of where I sort of cut my teeth, if you know what I mean. That was where I learned how to to do it and, and how to resonate with an audience. Um, and when I sort of looked at relaunching in the States, I kind of sat there and went, how do I do this in a way that I can be free to move? Um, should I need to? <laughs> and <Again>. yes, exactly. <laughs> and a big part of that went online and, you know, with COVID, a lot of people went, oh, let's go online. Um, <laughs> so I've kind of timed it wrong, but you know, these things happen and we, 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 we're doing okay. So, you know, <laughs> but it became like this this aspect that I was like I want to reach as many people as I can I want to keep my UK audience but I want to grow an American audience and I felt that the easiest way to do that was with content and you know that way I can give people resources and there's nothing worse than like when somebody comes to me as a trainer and goes hey um I'm absolutely skin which sorry broke <laughs> uh, the English coming out there <laughs> um I'm I'm broke at the moment and I can't afford a trainer and I just don't know what to do with my eight-month-old pit bull that's developed this this thing can you help and and I'll go and I'll go not unless you pay me there's nothing worse than my being like saying to somebody I can't help you unless you fork out money and that to me is not what I'm here to do so I want to give people a resource where they can learn for themselves and learn from a reputable source and learn from <laughs> my mistakes and um, <laughs> and put that knowledge into um, practice as best they can. And um, that was where the blog came in. So now as opposed to just going, no, I can't help you unless you pay me, I can go, well, I can't give you bespoke advice for your situation but here's some content that's that should help you and I feel like that makes it doesn't sting as much and that way Mm. you know you can bring them to you and bring them into your audience and welcome them into your your world and keep them there for another time but they might need help and they do have budget for it you know and yeah because it's tough isn't it we all live in a world where money's not as (laughs) yeah you never know like who you who you're helping with your free content Mm -hmm. and they grow to love you and they sign up for your email list and you build this relationship with them and they really trust you and they talk you up to their friends and maybe their (laughs) friends have more money to spend. And so you just, you never know. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, we are here to make a difference. Mm -hmm. Um, so you want to help people. And I, I mean, I get that so much. Um, so how do you, I guess uh, the question that I can just sense the listeners (laughs) thinking about Mm -hmm. is how do you know when to stop giving it away for free and when to be charging? Like what's the, what's the difference? Um, so it's, it's a very hard tipping point, isn't it? You sort of go, 
okay, now's too much. And you instinctively know it, but what you have to do is kind of learn from experience for you when is right for you. Because when's right for me is not necessarily going to be the same as what it is for you, Tori, and it won't be the same for your listeners either. So for me personally, I get like, I don't want to say resentful, but it is a, you're taking up a huge amount of my time that I need to be focusing on other things and I can't physically afford to do this for you for free because, you know, we've got bills to pay at the end of the day and this is, you know, it's not a hobby. If, if we were all millionaires and we didn't have to worry about that, it would be a different story, but we do have a business to run and there is a point where that practical element comes in. And for me, I find that if I bombard them with free content, they'll either go, <laughs> go and deal with it come back with a couple of questions and I can answer those but beyond that it's a case of right I'm really sorry but now would be chargeable time and I can't give you anything more bespoke than what I have already um because I'm happy to facilitate somebody's learning experience about their dog but I can't I just can't physically afford to do it all for free right so when it comes to like personal advice for their dog that's mm-hmm. kind of yeah. where the line in the sand is kind give of. or take yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give a couple of questions as opposed to like if they want clarity on something. But beyond that, it's like when it becomes personalized that it has to change. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. No, that's great advice. Well, and I think so my next like follow up question is mm-hmm. um, <laughs> talking about charging and revenue streams mm-hmm. and stuff as a, as a dog trainer. Um how how have you been able to set up like different revenue streams so that you're not basing yourself all off of one thing, off of like one-on-one yeah. sessions or something? Okay. Um, so I do a little bit of freelance uh, writing for um, other media companies. So I do, um, I work a little bit with uh, Daily Pause. I've done some stuff for Mashable and I'm, I'm exploring other avenues um, <laughs> as we all do. Um, and then I do some um, sponsored posts, which are usually gear reviews. And um, I love doing those because not only does it mean I can get my hands on a new piece of kit that I can then sort of play around with and figure out and, and you know, use for my training audience, but it means that I can put it into a proper review that I can stick onto the blog that makes great content for people and give some honest feedback because that I will say is very important with the sponsored post. It has, it still has to be honest. And all of my clients know <laughs> that if there's bad points, I'm going to point them out. <laughs> um, because a, it's learning for them and B, it still means that the consumer has the power to decide if that's something they're okay with. So that's another revenue stream. Um, then I've got some online courses and I do do a little bit of in-person work as well as one-to-ones online. Um, but I try and minimize the in-person stuff because, um, I'm very much trying to make this as online as possible. <laughs> yeah. 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 So well, that's, we were talking that's like a, of it. We were a bit like before, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, like how you are trying to be primarily online just in case. Like we don't know in today's world, I think we've all learned so much in the mm-hmm. past couple of years, but you don't know if you're going to move or no. have, have <laughs> air be stuck in your house for a mm-hmm. while or something like that. So um, it is it is important to have that kind of freedom of an online business. 
It is, yeah. Um, for for me particularly, because as you said, I've moved from the UK, which means I've left family in the UK. It means I've left family in Ireland. It means my 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 other half's family is in Texas. And it means that everybody is like a minimum of a four hour plane ride away from us. So that then becomes what happens if things don't go to plan. Um, <laughs> and I don't necessarily want to put my business on a total hold because I've got to fly to England or because I've got to go see my grandmother or we've got to go see my husband's mother. And that to me is like business continuity. So if I can continuously run my business without hiccups from Texas, Ireland, England, wherever, it means that I've got total freedom to do what I need to do without any potential wrinkles in that. So that's that's kind of why I've set up the way I have. And that's a real deliberate choice for me. Yeah. And I think that's where the, your blogging strategy kind of comes in. Mm -hmm. um, to, you know, create posts that are informative and helpful to mm -hmm. all dog owners and not, not just targeting local keywords yes. and things like that. Yeah. Um, and that for, for anybody who does do lo like local services, you do definitely want those localized, that, that localized post. Um, cause they're really, really valuable for finding the right people, but yeah, so the the global the more global strategy is is slightly more general, but it does then mean that I'm competing with some some rather large names, which is hmm, sometimes not the most fun thing. But you know, I can always put a different spin on it than somebody else. So yeah, yeah. well, and I think another thing, just quickly, is that you you are going to be launching your own podcast. Uh, yeah, I am, yeah. <laughs> and that's an, that's another kind of different way to reach people. I know a lot of people have started podcasts in the last couple mm -hmm. of years, but primarily most people don't have their own podcast. So that's a really excellent way to kind of stand yeah. out. What, what will your show be about? Um, so it's going to be shockingly about dog training <laughs> and it's, um, at the moment I'm, I'm kind of doing a lot on reactivity because that's again, a big passion of mine. And it's something I feel like we can, we can, Regardless of whether you're a reactive dog owner or not, you can still learn a lot about it because it's, if you, if I know every reactive dog owner out there, any, and anybody who's listening to this guy who has a reactive dog will be massively grateful for anybody who can be just a smidge more considerate in the park when yeah. they're trying to do things, you know? So it's, it's not an under-talked about problem, but it's something that if more dog owners have an awareness of, we can we can make bigger strides with, you know, dogs who are struggling. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I would my my dog Lucy, like ever since I got Bert, she's been a little bit more leash reactive. Mm -hmm. And even there's some trails that we have um where they're allowed off leash. Yep. And um and all the dogs are off leash there. And um everyone's pretty much moving and walking around, not standing in one place, um, <laughs> which I like and they like, um, but she kind of like, I think that Lucy thinks that Bert cannot handle himself and she's not wrong. Like he <laughs> would oh, not sorry know. to laugh, but the, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a Labrador thing, isn't it? They, they yeah. can be a little bit like, Oh, I didn't know that's what you meant when you growled at me. <laughs> yeah. And, and Bert would be like, Oh, you have candy in your van. I'll get in. Um, <laughs> 
And so Lucy is not wrong to be kind of like <laughs> on the offense for him, mm. but it's it's something that's developed like as an adult. And and I wouldn't consider her like a reactive dog because it's just very specific, isolated mm. things. Um, but in understanding all of that, like I just have so much more compassion, I think, for people yes. because I, you know, in her like limited reactions. I encounter people who are like, oh, somebody has an attitude problem or she's not very nice. Oh. I'm like, she is nice. It's just she doesn't know how <laughs> to handle. You've just pushed her buttons right she now. Know how you to know? handle her emotions. And she's just <laughs> a little nervous. Yeah. And yeah, you, you do. It really does make you more compassionate towards other people. Mm. Absolutely. I um, When Indy was like first going through this and I like I first went through muzzle training with him and I, I was, he was in a muzzle in the park and, and it's, it's such a simple thing, but a mother or a child asked their mother, mommy, why is that dog got a cage around his mouth? And her response was because he's a bad dog. And you know, when you're like, no, he's just a dog that's really struggling right now. And I'm trying to protect him from making a mistake. It's not, you know, it's not that he's a bad dog. It's just that he doesn't know how to do things yeah. right, you know, and that broke my heart. And, oh, and a little bit of consideration in some of those moments would make a world of difference. Well, so, yeah. Yeah, I just immediately am thinking like, you know, some people put their kids on leashes. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> and it's, it's not because they're bad kids. It's just because no. they're runners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, if you can prevent something from happening, you're going to prevent it from happening. Yeah. That's the responsible thing to do, right? So, yeah. yeah, there's there's an awful lot of judgment, I find. And then that stigma becomes a stigma for you because it makes you less wanting to go out and less wanting to put a muzzle on them, even though that's the safe thing to do. Yeah, because you don't want to hear the comments and the looks yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's all sorts of stuff like that that I feel like just a smidge of, like, I don't want to say education because it sounds really sort of pompous, but a little bit of insight can change people's minds so much. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm trying to help people with at the moment. Well, you're just you're doing amazing work. You're helping so many people, Allie. Um, so tell everyone where where can they find your blog um, and your social media and everything. Okay. So the blog is over on Rebarkable.com and uh, – that's, that's like my real passion project at the moment, as you can probably tell. Um, and the social media, uh, my, my main platform is Instagram. So that's, um, at re dot barkable because somebody had nabbed my name. And, um, yeah, that was the best I could do. Um, so yeah, that, that's where you can find me mainly on socials. Okay, perfect. And we'll put all these links to Facebook, Twitter, everything else in the mm -hmm. show notes. Um, people can come and find you. And thank you so much for your time and sharing your knowledge with us. Not a problem. Thank you very much for having me. I was delighted to uh, hopefully give your audience something to, to, to learn from. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. Thank you. No worries. Thanks. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or 
Join the Wear Wag Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.